0: All right, good morning everyone. We're here, it's not an ISIS snow day, that's great. For the sake of the recording, today, help me, is it the 16th? Mm -hmm. Two days after Valentine's Day? And it is the nine o'clock class, and we are in week six of Technology for Teachers. And today, um, we're going to hopefully, it won't be nearly as fun to be at the front with the smart board if it doesn't work. We're going to be having some Pecha Kucha presentations. We've got folks who have signed up to present today. And what I am going to do um, initially on our website, this is always where you'll want to come for class, of course. When you click 9 a.m., go ahead and sign in with our attendance. Just put your name in here and submit, and that's um, our role that we'll be taking. Today, we are going to... Um, have those Pecha Kucha presentations, and we're going to do some review of our um, classes that we've had for the last two weeks, which are um, two weeks ago when we had the snow, and Ice Day, we had an online lesson that some people were able to just attend, and I know not everybody was, and not everybody, the recording didn't work for everybody, and it was a mixed bag. But uh, how many of you have been able to stay Uh, Better up with your assignments because of things being online in this class. Has that assisted some of you? I think it's been a great example of how it's beneficial to have a blended class, because even if we were just straight face-to-face, you know, stuff happens. Things come up. So we're going to talk about Google Reader, and we're going to talk about Scratch. And we're actually going to be doing, if you've uh, seen our schedule I thought we were um, we're going yeah well no okay, I'm skipping ahead we're going to be doing Scratch for several weeks and so today I hope we'll be able to introduce it and you're just going to have an introductory assignment to go explore a Scratch um, project that somebody else has done and then write a little post about that um, and then you've got your uh, your uh, Google Reader assignment that we're going to talk about so. Um, every time we have class, I will usually want to start by sharing a video and then talking about a little app. And so how many of you watched the Super Bowl? Did anybody find any Super Bowl ads that they thought were great?
1: The
0: Star Wars one we have Star Wars one? Okay, I didn't see that one. I actually didn't oh, watch the Super Bowl. You have to watch so, the Star Wars one. The Star Wars one.
1: And the Doritos one, you know. too. Okay. <laughs>
0: I actually, I mean I am a football fan, I'm more of a college football fan than a pro fan, um, but I really think that um, <laughs> the best part of this, the best part of advertising period is the Super Bowl. Uh, anybody know how much it costs this year to advertise for 30 seconds? Three million was what I heard. And, you know, there was that Chrysler ad they did about Detroit. It was imported from Detroit, which I'm not going to show that one. But that's a two-minute ad. So think about $12 million to have your attention for for, um, two minutes. Did anybody see the reply all video or or ad? Um, This this is a good one because it actually – well, let me prompt you with this. It was a 30-second ad on the Super Bowl. Bridgestone, who did the ad, has it on their website. And they, this is the extended version. So this is a 60-second ad. I want you to uh, watch this and think about what discussions could we have with students and have in our class that relate to important topics.
1: You sent this email, reply all. You hit reply all. No! Thank <laughs> you.
0: that's on Bridgestone's website is the behind the scenes. So, this is a one one and a half minute video that is the behind the scenes about what was really in the email. Oh
1: no. Rod, you sent this email reply off. You hit reply off. So Rod, can you please tell me what this email actually said? Hey Rod, you know i sent Profanity laced dirty joke. He's a big <laughs> <laughs> it would make bread flush. You were going to tell me what was in that email? I don't think so. Like yeah. hey, Do you remember when we went that out? Hey you on site right now? I think there were pictures. There were photographs, <laughs> <of them. laughs> dirty pictures of him in his box. His bathtub, uh, little rubber duckies around. He's got three marshmallows in one hand, two marshmallows in the other. You were going to tell me what the, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, well basically I wrote it the to right? Essentially what it was is that oh, I... Oh, him. Him. maybe there are no clothes. Maybe even worse, there are clothes. dressed as an Dressed up like a Mesopotamian pharaoh with the crown and everything. Nice large wing. The a tongue depressor. And a bullfighter pig. But then it gets weird. I crawl under my desk, Quit. Probably for a
0: grabbing my stuff and running out
2: the
0: door.. Probably the state. <laughs> All right, so turn to your neighbor and visit with them about what you might discuss with students in your class or friends that you know or other people as a result of this video. What does this raise? As issues. You have 45 seconds, go. you talk about related to important life and technology issues? Watch out what you say in email, right? You put it in writing, you never know where it's going to go. Even if it's in a private profile, how many friends do you have? You have 400 friends. Nothing can stop them from copying what you've posted, sharing it somewhere else. It can have a life that you never expected. What else? hmm Be really thoughtful before you press send, because you really can't take it back. Has anybody tried to take email back? Like some systems will say return you know, grab this email like Outlook will. Anybody ever had, you know, I have. It didn't work. <laughs> you know, because it I think that feature depends on them being on your same system and you know, once you hit the send button, it's it's out there. Same
1: thing with the text message. You know, mm-hmm. Many times it's like, no, don't send that. That's right. <laughs> And it's easy to
0: forward, right? What is sexting? What does that refer to in the context of technology? Does anybody know? Sexting
1: about
0: sex. Absolutely. Or sexting means sending a sexually explicit photograph. So in a lot of schools and a lot of places today, you have photographs that you know spread like wildfire. One of the things I was surprised to learn a while back is it is a felony in the United States to send any kind of child pornography, so any kind of nudity of a child less than 18, it's illegal to send it. We've actually had principals in our country who have confiscated a student cell phone that um, had um, pornography on it, and they forwarded that, um, somehow they, it got onto theirs, like the student forwarded it to them. They said, "Oh, I'm going to forward this to my lawyer. Boom, you've just committed a felony, right? What do you want to do if you receive a text message like that, that has pornography on it? If you're at school, um, it, it probably is best to get the police involved if there is... Um, Child pornography. there. Even if you delete it on your phone, of course, it's still possible. It's still there. They can still, you know, find it. Um, it's a serious thing. And I mean, there have been kids charged with felony offenses, you know, for forwarding. So there's the whole law side of that, but then there's just also the safety side of it, right? Boys and girls, you need, I mean, what is the most dangerous thing to talk about online with strangers? It's a three-letter word that starts with S sex, okay? A lot of us have, you know, posted as far as that dolphins video that we watched a couple weeks ago and thinking about bullying and, you know, bullying is an issue, but it's also really the case where the research shows kids who are at risk face-to-face are most at risk online, okay? What's the big danger and fear with the predator danger? It's kidnapping, right? It's somebody coming and taking the child. Well, the vast majority of those cases are People who know the child in person, and when they don't, they have talked about sex in advance. And the child knows, or the person, because they're adults too, to do this, they know they're going to meet someone who they have talked to about sex. It's not a wise thing to talk about sex with strangers online. Okay, If you have students in your class who are isolated, who feel alone, who don't have connections to significant adults, who aren't in activities, they're at risk, Right? Those kids are most at risk online as well. So we need to talk with our students. And, of course, this depends on the age. We're not going to talk to kindergarten and first graders about, you know, don't talk about sex on Club Penguin. You know, that's probably not happening. But <clears throat> I don't know what age, you know, you think is, is best to start talking about it. But... Um, One of the things we don't do a lot in school is explicitly say what the dangers are, and the dangers are talking about sex with people we don't know, um, writing things that could get forwarded to others and sent to others. When I do presentations on internet safety, I explicitly say, probably more to to the girls than the boys, but everybody, never let someone take a picture of you naked. Never do it. I don't care how much you love them you will lose control over that photograph and there is no telling where that image can end up and what can happen with that. And um, does anybody know of a case of sexting in a school that you've heard of or in our community where something like that's happened? There's a fellow in my men's group whose granddaughter here in Edmond at one of our high schools It just is about ruined her life because the photograph she sent to her boyfriend suddenly was on hundreds of students' phones, you know, within a day or two of it being sent. So there's different public service announcements and things that that highlight that. but these are serious issues, right? The good news is it's not all bad. Technology is like a tool, right? I can go get a shovel and I can do some very wonderful things. I can plant a great garden with my shovel, you know? Or I could, you know, kill a snake or use it as a weapon to hurt, hurt somebody. So tools, the, t- the computer <clears throat> is more protean. It's a nice Scrabble word. It comes like some Greek word or Roman word that means proteus, if you look up protean. It means flexible, you can change, right? What can I do with this computer? Well, I've got a webcam now on the back of that, you know, computer and on my laptop. I can video conference with somebody, right? I can, I can, um, you know, access information. I can blog. I can do all kinds of things. And so that freedom and that power is a lot more than we're used to having in our pocket. And so students today are equipped with incredible power and that's part of what we need to be talking about, not just one time and one lesson, but on an ongoing basis. So bless you, I think that humor is a great way to get at sometimes some serious issues, and so um, I thought that was, that was a, good, you know, a, a good teachable moment. So if you came in late, make sure that you click on uh, 9 for our week 6, and you go ahead and check in with our attendance. Um, what I would like to do is uh, show you an example of an app. So those, those videos I have linked in there, that was Reply All Extended, and re- uh, Behind the Scenes, those were YouTube videos. What did you notice about the way I showed those videos today? Uh, I, we talked about QuietTube last time, and it was quiet, right? <laughs> we didn't have comments, but I didn't use QuietTube today. What did I do? I had it downloaded and I used QuickTime Player. So a little later in the semester, I will have a page and show you explicitly some different ways of downloading. There's a bunch of different methods and techniques for that. That's a really nice thing because I didn't have to wait for the internet. I didn't have to worry about the comments that were gonna come up and the distractions. It's downloaded, it's here on my computer. And you know, can I do that all the time? No, but if I can, that's often a good way to uh, present and share. So uh, I want to uh, do a, an app share. Um, we were together week two. I think I talked about Evernote. Did anybody use Evernote or check that out? I
1: downloaded
0: Yeah, I mean, being able to have searchable notes is a big deal. I mentioned I, just, I always lose paper, so I usually try to convert paper. Um, another thing that I'm really excited about our audio recording apps and so the one I'm going to show you today is called Cinch and it's free and it is not only available for iOS devices which when I say that I mean iPad, iPhone, um, iPod touch it's also available for Android and it's completely free so an example of this we have a family learning blog that is a place where um, my girls and, and sometimes my son, although he doesn't want to do do this quite as much, um, will from time to time post some things that reflect our learning about you know things things that we've learned. And so my internet is not working now. I wonder if I was going to try and show you an example. See if I can do this a different way. Let me show you the demo on the iPad first, and then I'll I'm going to flip. I, I don't have this program to share my screen on the on the Windows computer, so I'll show you this first, and then I'll switch over to the Windows computer. Um, I, I call my different apps really for audio and. And photo sharing and video sharing, story chasing, because that's Story Chasers is the the nonprofit. Oh, there it is. Good, it worked. Um, So the app that I'm going to show you is this one, which is called Cinch. Let me go ahead and see if I can play this. And uh, over the holiday break, um, I wanted to teach my girls a little bit about Scratch, because there's a lot of things we can do on the computer. And now that we have Netflix, what do you think my seven-year-old and 11-year-old like to do the best? Watch iCarly and Full House, and you know, there's all these shows, let's just watch. So that's okay, but actually, if, when we make stuff and we create stuff, we use our brain in a different way, and that's, I think, a lot more valuable way to spend our heartbeats than just, you know, watching TV all day. So here's a little bit of what we recorded.
1: Hello. today is December 23rd, and
0: Scratch, and just want to document a little bit about what we've learned because Scratch is a great environment and I'm curious about things that, just the whole process of how they're learning about
1: this because Scratch is something we need to introduce to many different people. So, um, Sarah, why don't you start and tell us a little bit about, what do you think Scratch is for people who don't really think about it? I think Scratch is a program to like make a game or to like, it's like kind of like moving, like you have to give your little um, sprite or little object a script, and so when you press bar or another button,
3: it does, and what you say, like you can put, press the green flag and then say move
1: 10 steps, or if you do minus 10, that means it'll go back. I think it's like a program. Yeah. Rachel, how do you describe Scratch based on what you've done with it today? How would, you, how would you tell somebody what Scratch is? Um, <coughs> like a site where you can just explore and make your own light
3: do different things, and you can just explore and see what it can do, make it do different things. And
1: move and it's just a fun thing that you can do and be creative. Okay, so that's kind of what we were doing today, was just learning some basics of moving things around. And... All
0: right, I won't subject you to the whole thing. That was 13 minutes, but how amazingly cool is it to be able to just take a device, record audio, and then have it shared? From a safety standpoint. A lot of parents are very paranoid about student photos online and you're always going to want to have permission whenever you share student work of any kind online and hopefully your school is going to have a permission form that covers everybody for that and the best way I think is to have an opt out to say if you don't want your students work shared, if you don't want their pictures shared, you know, you need to sign a, a separate form or whatever. But with audio, it's very unobtrusive, I mean we didn't even need to say their names. We did, but you don't even need to do that. So let me just show you really quick how this works. So this is um, the program Cinch. You can use Cinch on the web and record. So a microphone plugged into my laptop or my computer, I can record. But as an app, this is pretty nice. So it just starts to come up here with record. There's a large red button. What am I going to do? I'm going to press record. There's a microphone on this. So press record. It gives me a little countdown here. Hi, what did I do? Huh. Supposed to give me, uh, supposed to pop up. Maybe, I don't know what I just did. There we go. All right, hey, this looks better. This is a test recording on the 16th of February, 2011. And my brain is not working exactly as fast as it should. But we're just demonstrating cinch. Okay, so I hit pause. And just like I did before, I could click the delete button and get rid of it. Or I could play what I've done. And (laughs) 16th of February, 2000 and... I don't have, obviously, this plugged into those speakers, so you can't hear that on those speakers. But it will play it right here. There's a slight delay in between what you see on the screen and here because it's going wireless through my phone. Um... But it's pretty nice to have that feedback with that level going up because, you know, the student, finds, am I too far away? Am I you know, too close? That kind of thing. And so when I'm done, I click Next. And this allows me to give this a title. I'm going to just do this as a test. All right. So I'm just going to say test 9 a.m. But I could say talking about scratch, discussing our field trip, you know, Um, ideas about Egypt and the Revolution. I mean, whatever we're talking about in class. If I would like to, I can add a photo. So I click that picture. It says, do you want to take a photo? Now, can I do that on this first-generation iPad? No. So the next generation is supposed to come out um, in March. And um, I talked to some people when I was in Montana in... January, they went to CES, which is the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas, which is kind of a fun place to go. And there were over 80 Android tablets that they saw, or that were there, I guess. I don't know if they saw every one of them. But, you know, a lot of the things I've read have said this is really probably going to be a a year of tablet revolution. Because being able to touch and and create and have this kind of interface is so much more natural than a mouse. So I only can get pictures that I have... um, I've saved previously, okay? So I have, I've put this picture on my device earlier. I, I can't just take one. Or I could go download one. Um, I can change that so I can save a picture. Um, here's a story that Rachel was doing during our snow day. Um, so I can put that. Cinch lets you create some different albums. So I have one for family. I have one for technology. I'll put this one in my technology one. Uh, what is this tag, current location? What, what, what do I need to think about before I do that? What's that going to do? Go your...
1: yeah.
0: yeah, if I want people to know where I am, what do you think? Is it safe to no. let them know where I am at school? I don't know. I would probably turn it off if I was at my house, if I was at home, something like that. You know, if I'm at the school, well, I teach at the school. You know, this is where our class is. Um, it's up to you. Um, the benefit of having that on, of course, is that it lets you, know, you or other people find your, um, your cinch based upon the location. If you were going to do something remote, like you were on a field trip and you were at the zoo, wow, we could just do our recordings right there from the zoo and it'll have a little you know, map button that says this is where we are. And then what are these going to do if I turn these on? Yep, it's going to cross-post. So if I have a Facebook account or I have a Twitter account, I might more have a class Twitter account if I wanted to, have updates that parents could get. I could turn that on, and it would immediately post that to um, uh, those websites when it's done. So I click the Publish button. It says that was a cinch. And if I click down here on My Content, um, and I click on Pending, what you see is that it's uploading, and this was just four packets or little pieces. It's done. Okay, it's available online now. Um, that's that's it. Yes?
1: Where does it upload it to?
0: So it uploads it to the Cinch website, and um, what I'll do is I'll go ahead and click on my page. Um like your own page. Uh-huh, yeah, it creates your own page, and so... What I'll do here, your smartboard, we're going to be learning more about the smartboard, has two buttons up here. One gives you a keyboard and one gives you a right mouse button. I want to actually just backspace and delete to go go back to my main page here. So I'm just pushing the button to get my keyboard up, and then I'll close it. So here are um, here are my pages. And then under here, under EdTech, it will eventually reload my, you know, it'll eventually have my my cinch that'll that'll show up here um, under technology after it converts it. And sometimes it takes, I mean, it depends on how long it is. But what it's actually doing is um, converting it into Flash, and then it's putting it, sure I did the right one. I don't think I did family. So it's, I mean, we're immediate. Where is it? Where is it right now? I mean, it'll it'll take a little while. And uh, I'll go in there and reload that. Remind me later if I don't do it right now, immediately. But now once it's there, I can um, click on that post It has a link to it, and then it also has an embed code. I've not being able to click on it very well, um, it has embed code that I can copy. Any other questions? Yes.
4: Uh, can you do it through like text message?
0: Um, no, I don't think this this particular one. I mean, there's. So, like, could you send the link to people through text messaging or do the recording? Oh, You'd have to have some way of, of transferring the recording up to the Internet. So the app itself can, you know, rec- it'll, it'll record on a different kind of device, but it has to be connected to the Internet and send the file up, and then you get a link that you can share. So you could, you could share the link um, with other people using... A text message, but people would, um, you wouldn't record it with the text message. So, okay, that's our app. Um, what we're going to do now is I'm going to invite the folks who are on our list to present for our Petcha to go ahead and do that next. All of us, though, are not simply going to sit back and watch without doing anything. If you link to our Pecha Kucha presentation page, at the very top, it says Peer Evaluation Forms, and I would like for everybody to go to our evaluation form for 9 a.m. And what I have created, this is on the top of our Pecha Kucha page, so you just click on our uh, Week 6, where it says Pecha Kucha or PK Student Presentations, and you'll find it. Um, this is the form. So this is the same thing that I showed you when I did my demonstration in Week 2. And I've got our names of folks who are on our list, Mary, Lindsay, Katie, and Adam. Um, if for some reason you are not ready and you don't want to go today, we can, we can switch you to a different date. But hopefully you guys are ready to go. And what I'd like for each person to do is um, you'll bring your, uh, if you've got your Pecha Kucha on a flash drive. Uh, well, actually, let's just ask. Mary, Lindsay, Katie, and Adam, are any of you ready to share today? Okay. So if you've got yours on a flash drive, what I'm going to do is I'm going to unplug my Mac and we'll plug right back into the Windows computer um, and we'll, uh, I'll help you get yours loaded up where it's 20 seconds and everything like that on your slides. And then what I want everybody to do is as you watch this, let's say Mary goes first, you're going to put in the title of her presentation and then I want you to fill in the boxes down here on this um, rubric as we go through. So you're going to uh, provide ratings. You are not graded based upon what your peers say. I will not reveal to the evaluee, or the person you're evaluating, who you are. Okay, I'm gonna cut out all the names. I just have your name on here so that I, I know who has submitted and who hasn't. Um, this is just extra feedback for the presenter. So it's a chance for you to give them some ideas about what you liked and what you thought could be improved. Um, it's also hopefully a good example of how we can utilize a rubric and we can utilize forms like this to help our students understand what our expectations are. Okay, because this in this form it includes, you know, the things that that you'll be <coughs> graded and assessed on as far as this presentation. So we're going to be very kind and forgiving with everybody, but especially this first week. Um, this is the first time for students to share and everything like that, and um, you guys are going to do great, I'm sure. If you're going to Ask if you're going to criticize, you're going to have some critique, you know, you want to think about sandwiching that maybe between some, you know, positive and don't just lambast them with negative. You can say some positive things and then give them some suggestions, but it it has that um, in there. So if you are not signed up on our list here uh, for a presentation day, go ahead and email me and um, let me know when you'd like to plug in. And we will do that because we've got we've to start these presentations. And um, anyway, it's just the presentations will take six minutes and 20 seconds each. But, you know, we don't want to really have a day where we've got 10 of them because that doesn't leave much time for other things. Does anybody have a question about the Pecha or about this process? Yes. Absolutely yes. Remember, the goal for this is to use PowerPoint as a visual medium that's going to supplement what you're going to say, but to give a good presentation. So, to the degree you can, I want you to make good eye contact. I want you to you know look at us. I don't. I really don't want you to just come read your presentation, but use any kind of visual aids, and they don't have to be note cards. And one of the terrible stories I heard uh, last year or the year before was. Um, A friend of a friend was giving a presentation and she had had everything on her laptop and her instructor forbid her from using her laptop. It had to be on a three by five card to, you know, whatever. It's kind of silly. Um, You decide what you'd like to use if you want to help yourself and coach yourself along. But I recommend that you, of course, practice and practice in front of your family member or roommate or, you know, just the mirror. But practice so you'll be comfortable with it. Any other questions? All right. Who would like to be bold and go first?
1: I'll go first.
0: You will go first. All right. Very good. Let me get... That's right. Well, you know, sometimes it's good to go first because people have no preconceptions about what they're going to see or...
2: I, I get to set the tone.
0: You get to, exactly. You set the bar. Is it going to be a high bar? Or a low bar. <laughs> <We'll see. laughs> Go ahead. Problem, so we'll you, you can plug it in there on the front. So is that how you'd like
1: it, bring
0: it on um, Yes, that's probably the best way. I mean, if you, for some reason, don't have a, can't get a flash drive, don't have one, you, know, you could email it to yourself or um, you could use a website like Dropbox or something like that where we could download it. But it's probably fastest. And what we'll probably do, because we're going to be doing these presentations now for the next, uh, you know, four weeks or something. is If you're going to do your presentation, you might just, you know, when you come in, just come load it. And we can copy them to the desktop and just have them ready. Um, It is. It makes a lot of noise. Look how... Well, organized. All right, now, if you want to right-click that, there's a couple ways to do that. You could right-click it and say copy. So is the mouse not right-clicking? Okay, so actually, I guess they've disabled that on these computers. Isn't that helpful for them to protect us from ourselves? So um, click the restore button, which is between the flat line and the X in the upper right corner of the screen. Yep, click that. Uh-huh. Now you can drag that. Well, can you drag it to the desktop? Try. No. Yeah, isn't this nice? We can't drag to the desktop. Why would they do that? The
1: desktop
0: is That's right! Okay, so we got to fo- open another folder. So, um, well, click copy this file over on the left side. Alright, and then if you select the place where you want it, let's put it in My Documents. Yeah, just click po- uh, copy. Okay.
2: Theoretically, if I go to my Documents, so theoretically,
0: if you go to my documents now, if you go over to date, uh, make that um, there you go. Um, if you make that a little bit wider, uh, go to the bottom right corner of the window and stretch it up a little bit. Click on the date modified column at the top. So th- yeah, click that and then click it again. One of the benefits of doing a sort like that when you have the detail list is you can always get the most recently changed file up at the top. So. Anyway, you can now safely remove your USB drive and then just go double-click your Pecha Kucha file. <laughs> and that's okay. You know, I'm so excited. I think there... Do you have a browser? Is there Chrome on your computer? Because I had asked last semester for us to have another web browser, and you might just click on the start menu to see. The, anybody have a guess? Go ahead and double-click your file. Or did you? Um, anybody guess why they didn't want to put a web browser other than Internet Explorer on this computer? Because
1: they know how Internet Explorer works. Yeah, it's right. It's secure for them. It's
0: secure for them, and they wanted to limit printing. And so they weren't sure how to lock down the printing on, on other browsers. So. Okay. All right. So now if you click on PowerPoint, there at the bottom. Um, I will help you all with this, so don't ever think like you're going to be just stuck having to, you know, figure this out on your own. The way that I do this is if you go up to the View menu on the top of PowerPoint, and you choose View, and then you go to Slide Sorter, which is on the left side. Yep. Then I go into um, the Transitions, which I think are... Animation. Animation, is it? They, of course, PowerPoint, they have to change all the things around oh, to... There's
2: already Transitions.
0: Oh, you've got it. You're all set. Well, let's go click on it just to show everybody where it is. If you, yeah, click on animations on that tab. Yep, see how on the right side it says advance automatically after 20. You're all set. So don't worry if you don't have this set in advance. Does anybody know the key that you can push on your presentation that will start it? F5. F5 okay. That's the, the present show, and you can go up to slideshow. So um, tell me your first name. This is Katie. And if you want to go up to the front, I'll go ahead and start when you're ready. And um, everybody should have your evaluation rubric open. Looks like you do. So you can go ahead and select Katie's name and put your name in. And any questions before you get started, Katie? Any questions before you get started? Okay. Um, Does anyone else have questions? If for some reason you don't want your recording to be in our class recording because I'm recording the audio for our session. Visit with me after class. Uh, it's a bit of a hassle to take it out, but I don't want anybody to be embarrassed if you disclose some confidential information. You told us your password, you know, your security number. <clears throat> whatever. Uh, we can we can not record your session or we can take it out we too, But hopefully this is all good for
2: It is. It's all all good for publishing. It's all good. Okay, you ready? I'm ready.
1: Okay.
2: All right, hello everyone. My name is Katie Gwanner, and today I'd like to talk to you about a topic that's very close to my heart, and that is TCKs. I myself am a TCK. If you have no idea what that word means, or if you're not familiar with it at all, it's probably because you aren't one. Um, This term refers to third-culture kids. A lot of children who are third culture kids have been defined by the U.S. government to be specifically those who spent some of their growing up years in a foreign country and experience a sense of not belonging to their passport country. They feel most at home in the third culture they have created for themselves. Little understood by American schools, what TCKs want most is to be accepted as the individuals they are. And that obviously is like everyone else. TCKs are missionary kids, they are military kids, military brats, as some people like to call them overseas. Not that they're brats, but um, also embassy children, diplomatic children, anyone who has been raised in a foreign culture for most of their life, usually. Um, TCKs in particular have a number of traits. They tend to communicate on a different sort of interpersonal level with other people. They also tend to be multilingual. They tend to make relationships very quickly. Usually you see children on a playground who make relationships quickly with one another. Typically, TCK adults or TCK teenagers do the same thing. Um, They also tend to prefer to socialize with other TCKs, which tends to form a sort of interpersonal bond that tends to transcend, I guess, cultures and anything else that may stand in their way. And sometimes it can make it difficult, though, because they tend to be really close, and then have to leave. They have to move, but Facebook has really helped with that. Um, this is actually a picture of my friend sitting on the beach, and it kind of shows a lot of how a lot of TCKs feel alone. I mean, there's, there's peace in this picture as she's looking out at one of the things she loves most in the world, which is the beach, but it's also, in a sense, a very lonely type picture as well. Um, TCKs make a lot of transition When they're um, going through life, I use this picture because it's somewhat like climbing. It's the process of transitioning from one culture to another. All children transition as they grow up. TCKs tend to do it just on a different level as they go from one culture, one step to another. To give you uh, an actual good example, I'm just going to use myself. And I am a TCK. I use this picture because the globe right here in particular has Africa, and that's where I spent most of my time growing up. I enjoyed it a lot, but it just makes more sense to explain this if you can kind of get an idea without all the abstract ideas. I grew up first in the Ivory Coast. I was actually born there. I didn't stay there very long, but my first language was ballet, which I don't speak now, but that was where my first words were in, which was the language in that culture. And it also basically set the stage for my introduction into African culture, which I love very much. I love the people. This is in Yokohama, Japan, where I also lived for a couple of years. I actually went on that Ferris wheel over there. It is really, really big <laughs> and uh, it's really really huge compartments. It's very nice. But uh, I, love, I love Japan. It's beautiful. It's an amazing culture. I also knew Japanese when I lived there. Um, this is a picture of Arizona. I didn't pick the most beautiful picture of Arizona simply because I'm not a fan of Arizona. And that's where I spent most of the time living in the U.S. It was probably one of my least favorite places. I didn't mind the American culture so much. It was just I didn't like Arizona. So, um, it was dry, which is like most of the places I've lived, but still it's different. This is the Place Independance, which is basically the main center of... Everything downtown in Dakar, Senegal in West Africa, which is where I spent most of my life, a good eight and a half years or so when I was younger. And it's interesting because I look at this picture and I can tell you, oh, my my eyeglasses store was that way or, you know, something was in the other direction. Um, I traveled to a lot of countries while I was going there and I which included the um, Italy, Portugal, Austria Japan, Senegal, U.S. and Cote d'Ivoire, all those places I I visited and stayed in a while. Airports, though, Morocco, England, France, Belgium, all the above. Um, Also, um, when I came back to the States, I went through a transition conference. Basically, we had to go to a meeting that told us how to relate with Americans. (laughs) What you do, like, don't wear sandals while driving. I mean, just basic things that we grew up doing all the time that they said you're not allowed to do in the U.S., Um, Most TCKs have the urge to move. We always want to keep moving. It doesn't matter where we're going, we just want to move. If we've been there a couple of months, sometimes people, it's just like a half a year to a year, we're ready to move and we don't like staying there any longer than we have to frequently. But sometimes in a home culture it's nice. Also, a lot of TCKs tend to go through depression and isolation a lot of issues with conforming to society around them, and there's a very high rate of suicide among TCKs just because after creating this third culture that they live in with other TCKs, it's hard to find a culture wherever they're living at the time that they can adjust to. I like this picture a lot because for me it kind of represents, I don't know how well you can see it, but you've got somebody who's very much of an outcast here, and then you have almost like this process of assimilation into society which is very interesting. There we go. Hmm. Also, this is a picture of me and my teacher. I was going to talk about education and the importance. There's me and my little sister, a couple friends of ours, and that's one of my teachers that I had, and he was my French teacher, very close to him. But basically, there is a huge part in education that you have to think about when you're dealing with TCKs, and that's, that you need to listen to them. You need to be there for them. The worst question to ever ask a TCK is, what is it like where you lived? Because most Americans, to be honest, don't want to hear the full answer. When you ask that question, most people think, okay, it was fun, it was different, you know, but TCKs will want to tell you everything because they will expect that you want to know whether you want to know or not. To sum it up, basically, just like every child... Every TCK wants to be recognized and appreciated for the individual that they are. They may be different. They may be considered an oddity here. But in truth, they are just like everyone else, and they just want to be considered individuals. Thank you. If it's what it's like, I'm not going to answer it. (laughs) Hi, yes.
4: My parents were missionaries. Oh,
3: okay. Yep. Yes? What does TCK stand for again? Third culture
2: kid. Sorry if I didn't <laughs> re-specify that. <laughs> what, do you, what, what do you
0: aspire to do in your life, do you think, as a result of being a TCK? Or how do you think that's a well, of Well, I uh,
2: – <laughs> that's a very open question. Um, I think basically it'll – for me, I like to move. I probably will live somewhere in Europe or somewhere along the lines down there. I'd like to teach, maybe go back to my school that I was in West Africa, maybe teach a year there. I like to travel, so there'll probably be a lot of that. I don't know if I want to make a career overseas, but I tend to prefer living overseas, so that might happen. But I don't, I don't know. I think it, help, it helps though when you know, since I speak a couple languages, when I go to fill out resumes or. Put a multicultural experience, it really helps. What languages do you speak? French and English. So um, I used to speak some Japanese, but that went bye-bye because I was too culturally adept, which meant I didn't want to stick out when I came to America. And so I wouldn't keep learning it. Disappointed my father very much. Do you
1: have brothers and
2: sisters? I have four brothers and sisters. I have uh, three brothers and a sister. Are they in in
1: different parts of the world
2: now? No, they're all younger than me. They're all living with my family. Um, But it is interesting to see the language transitions and how it really affects TCKs. My mom almost wrote some sort of paper on it. When you change TCKs, especially when they're just learning their language to another culture that has another language, it actually can really affect their speech patterns. For some children, it really helps them. But for most children, it can really stunt their um, language growth
1: your family
2: live here now? Yeah, they're uh, not by complete choice of their own, but they, they're they taking 24-7 care of my grandparents, but they moved their mission field here. They work with uh, teaching students ESL and a lot of people on the USO, UCO campus. Actually, my dad works with um, a lot of the Asian and um, Hispanic groups on school campus. And that's mostly just teaching English as a second language and Um, Some people have wanted to start Bible studies, so he's worked with them on that. But that's pretty much it. All right. Good job,
1: Katie. Thank Thank you so much. Go ahead and turn out your evaluation. Refer.
0: And we have another volunteer who will...
1: Yeah, and, you, and hopefully oh. after you click Submit, it just let you click back to the form. Did that work for everybody? No. Yeah. Do, we, do we have to put something in every slot? Yeah. Uh, I think it'll
0: actually it'll require some text, oh. but if you have, you know, no ideas for improvement, just say, you know, nothing or it
1: was all okay. good. Or you have to put some text in
4: there. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Good, so. sure. mm-hmm. Hi, everybody. I'm Mary-Kate, like I said. Um, my presentation is over the organization called To Write Love on Her Arms. Um, if you don't know what it is, it's a nonprofit organization that um, seeks to help people that are dealing with the depression and the effects of depression um, and what it can do. Um, I know this is kind of an intense topic, but it's very real to a lot of people. There's about 121 million people that suffer depression. Um, I think that's around the world. So the main idea of this organization is to provide hope for people that are victims of this. Um, This is Jamie Torkowski. He's the founder of To Write Love on Her Arms. Um, Now he is an inspirational speaker. He's spoken um, all over the country and now he's going around the world. Um, He's been interviewed by like NBC, MTV, a lot of people just because of one story that he wrote when he about um, his experience when he was trying to help a friend, she needed help. She was denied um, excuse me, entrance to a drug rehab center. Um, she was doing very bad and what he and his friends were doing were trying to raise money to help send her to drug rehab. And this is Renee. Um, she's the friend. What was happening was She was really depressed, Um, she had thought about committing suicide, and she was self-mutilating, and she was carving things into her arm that reflected how she felt about herself, and so what he wanted to do by the time that he raised enough money to send her to rehab, he wanted her to have the feeling that she could write the word love on her arm instead of what she was feeling about herself, and that's where the name to write love on her arms came from. Renee is doing well now. She wrote a book called Purpose for the Pain, and she's going across the country speaking to people, trying to reach um, people that were going through the same thing that she was going through. It's just she tells her story. Um, she reads some of her journal entries. Um, you have helped more than you know. I picked this picture because I thought it really explained um, this organization. They. People from To Write Love In Our Arms have been to 40 different countries over the world. They've responded to like 15,000 or so personal messages of people that, that needed help. Um, one big thing that they're known for is support from bands. Um, when they go on tour, they they always do a show. And this is a guy from Switchfoot, if any of you know who that band is. but Switchfoot's the first band that started wearing To Write Love In Our Arms t-shirts while while they were um, playing their shows. Love is the Movement. And that's actually the name of a Switchfoot song. And so on some of the t-shirts they started um, putting slogans from songs with permission, of course, um, in selling the t-shirts. So some of the bands are Switchfoot, Paramore, Evanescence, um, Forever Those Kids. If I'm sure some of you guys have heard of them. These are just some of the merchandise that they sell t-shirts, I have sweatshirts, I have a bracelet, I don't know if you can see it, but um, the reason I have a bracelet is because one day I was out here just on campus, and I was with my sister, and we met Kellen Hodgson, he's the president of the UCO chapter, and they're just out writing the word love on people's arms with Sharpies, just because they're trying to raise awareness for the... the, um, organization, and we didn't know what it was, but we, he explained to us, and we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. So we wrote love on our arms along with just everybody who was walking by. I don't know if maybe you, some of you were there. But the next day, we found out that um, one of my, our little brother's classmates had committed suicide, and I was just so, like, shocked that not only had this person committed suicide, but this organization that I didn't even know anything about. The day before it happened, you know, we were riding love on our arms, and this, his name was Clint. Um, he played baseball, and this is a shirt that they made in remembrance of him. So um, because of Clint, um, that's really why, I didn't really know him that well, but still. Um, everyone at the high school started riding love on their arms, and then we had more people doing it at the school um, for the whole next week, and so even though it was a sad time, it, brought a lot of people together. Um, the UCO chapter is very new. Um, to Write Love on Our Arms just started um, putting installations at, the universe at universities all over the country two years ago, and UCO is in the second phase, so just this school year we just got To Write Love on Our Arms. Um, There are meetings twice a month, if any of you are interested. Um, They're on Wednesday (coughs) nights, and there's going to be two main projects this semester. Um, The first one is there's 1-800-SUICIDE is the biggest suicide hotline in the country, and what they're trying to do now is switch it from um, a phone line to make it a web chat because kids, instead of calling or, like, going to a counseling center, they're more likely to now, you know, get on a web chat and talk to somebody. So they're trying to get counselors on there 24-7. The next thing that is going to be happening is April 13th. There's going to be a benefit concert here at UCO, um, and Renee, the first um, person from Try Love on Her Arms, Jamie's friend, is actually going to be here speaking about her, um, her experience and what she went through. So if you want to find out more there on Facebook or on Twitter, um, you can ask me and I can get you in touch with Kellen. And so the main thing is to always try to spread love and you never know what someone's going through. And that's it. If you're not in, in really in the meetings, you can. That would be something to go to. Have you been
1: to any of the concerts
4: or any of those? I haven't. I mean, just that. This was, like, in November when we met Kellen, and I, because of my scholarship meetings, I couldn't go to any of the meetings. So this semester is, like, excuse me, first semester. Um,
0: what high school? Was Clint, was Clint here at UCL, or at UCL? He was at
4: high school. He was at Mount St. Mary's is where I went. And so, it, it was really unexpected, but.
0: Besides, what do you think are the ways that the teachers can show love and can, you know, it's like, we have this whole thing about you can't touch your kids and you, you know, mm-hmm. there's a, there are important boundaries to maintain as a professional, but at the same time, relationships are really important. So, do you have any thoughts about teachers and the ways that we, our kids to know we care about them and, yeah. and how, how do you recommend
4: we reach out to somebody in uh, um, need or- Well, with Clint, it was nobody had any idea that anything was going on. I mean, I wasn't, we knew his family weren't very close, but um, as far as we know, nobody really had any idea. And so it's just always trying to smile at somebody or say hi and like teaching wise, um, we, I learned yesterday that the teachers, there's a phrase called in loco parentis, I think. Mm-hmm. And that means in place of parent in Latin, I think. And so I think it's really important for the teachers to somehow have a relationship with every student. Um, I don't remember who, I don't think it was you. Somebody was telling me that one of a teacher that they knew would spend time every day journaling about each student that they had. That way it like forced her to create some kind of personal relationship with their student. Like not saying that everyone has to go journal um, about everybody, but that was, I thought it was a really good idea how she wanted to like get in touch with each of her students and she would know them and know about their lives and it kind of made her be involved with them.
0: That's probably a good way too to not skip over some. I know in my teaching sometimes I felt guilty that the kids who were misbehaving got a lot of attention and sometimes the kids who were... Doing the best, got attention. But sometimes mm-hmm. kids that were in the middle. I, don't, I mean, sometimes I look at the week and go, Did I, did I talk to her yeah. separately? You know, or did I just ignore her? Not because I wanted to, but that's probably a good way
1: to make sure you're intentionally, yeah. you know, focusing on. That's the what child.
2: probably yeah. to help you notice the potential problem too. Like if you're spending so much time focusing on this child, that way you could. Kind of take a step back and like, oh wait, they weren't talking to You They know, just like take the little things that maybe could be warning signs, be aware of them, and that, and in some ways, have documented proof of those warning signs when they started. Did, yeah. you, know? did you
4: have you guys? I so, did. Yeah. I think he was the one that talked. About yeah, because talk- I remember that. Yeah, he talked. Well, actually, it wasn't last week. So this this one, about, like two or three weeks ago, he us about that. Yeah. yeah. Any other
1: questions or comments? All right. Let's give her another round of applause. Please go ahead and complete your evaluation form. All right, this is Lindsay. Lindsay, what's the title of your piece?
3: Inspiration. Inspiration. Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right. Um, my name is Lindsay Allen, and I'm here to talk to you guys about inspiration. Um, I find it a very important part of our lives to be inspired by something. I think it gives us motivation to keep going. But um, according to Webster's, motivation is a divine influence or action on a person believed to qualify him or her to receive and communicate sacred relation, to just have that connection to be inspired by something. Now, inspiration, I think, is contagious. Have you ever been around someone who is very happy or in a good mood and it sort of rubs off on you and then you're happy? Or someone who comes in with a bad attitude and it can change the entire room? Well, that's how I feel inspiration is. If you love to do something and you are able to share that with someone else, they may find a new passion for it as well. Now, inspiration um, can be used in many ways. You have to find out what it is in your life that you love to do. For me, I love to speak, I love to work with children, so that's where I found my, um, I found my career in speech pathology. Um, inspiration is also a chain reaction, just like I said, if someone comes in with a great um, attitude or something, it will connect you to it, but it's a chain reaction in the way that it will cause you to help someone else, to help someone else, to help someone else. It's like the branches that never end. Um, Inspiration is also a chain reaction within yourself. It gets you thinking about what you love and what you want to do. For me, it was um, speech pathology. I like to be a speech pathologist. And I, like I said, I love working with children and I love one-on-one. I just sort of found everything that I enjoyed and put it together. And so I'm going to do speech pathology and put my all into that. Now I want to tell you a personal story about myself, um, about elementary school. We'll go back into those days of fun. And there was a woman named Miss Heidi. She was a mentor to me who inspired me. I never knew about inspiration until now as an adult. I find out it's important. And I realized all the things that she did for me. She um, was my extended day teacher. Has anyone in here heard of extended day before? It's the after school program that you go to. And I'd be there about two and a half hours. Each day, but Miss Heidi, she was the kindest, sweetest, most caring person I'd ever met. She um, always wanted us kids to have fun. She wanted us to enjoy our time there instead of it just being her job and she has to do it and you can get out and go and let her get paid. It was something she loved to do. I wanted to be like her. I wanted to be older and just love the kids. And it rubbed off on me even as a child to treat the other children kindly. She let me help with everything. I mean, we had snacks every day after school, and she let me help make the little crackers or we'd have the, uh, is it Nutella, you know, the little chocolate spread. She'd let me help put it on the bread, and she just, even till this day, was just an inspiration to me. If I um, find myself to need a mentor, I always go back to Miss Heidi because she loved me. Um, I even saw her at my graduation. She came, and I hadn't seen her since elementary school, and she brought um, some books over inspiration for me just to keep going on with my life um, and to take her teachings on. And so that really meant a lot to me. But what I want to talk to you all about is how this can relate to you personally, because as we're going into our jobs, um, we don't want to go in having an attitude of, oh, this is just what I do, this is what I chose, it's not really what I want but as something that you can teach, that you can um, inspire other children to be. You want to have great self, self-worth. You want to go and you want to do your job. You want to say, at the end of the day, I think I may have helped someone or I may have opened their eyes to show that they are worth something, that they can take their lives and be inspirational and go on and help someone else. Now, it will also help your students. I know that I've never loved reading But when I'm around someone who will show me reading in a new way to be creative with it, um, they've inspired me to enjoy something I may not have. And that's important for us as teachers because students aren't going to want to learn math and they're not going to want to learn certain areas that we may not even enjoy. But if we can make it fun for them and inspire them, will this not help them when they come to college? Now, it's also very awarding. Um, This may end up in the extreme of you getting teacher of the year. This may end up in you having that self-worth to go and do further things, promotion. People will see what you're doing and they'll want to get involved because of um, just your attitude. Now, I put this up here because I want you to think of interesting things. Like, how can I actually do this in my classroom? You want to be um, interested in what the students care about. You want to relate to them. I thought this was a good picture of how men and women tend to not relate. But let's switch it over to (laughs) to students. How we want to relate to them. Show them how this will affect them in their lives. Um, Connect them with friends. Just show them that it's not just work and things they need to know, but how they can use it. Because we're being taught things that we need for a reason. And show them the reason that they're needing to know these things. Give them hands-on exercises. Do we all remember in math the nine trick for multiplication? Give them things like that. Um, I remember in biology, even in high school, like I'm a very visual learner, so when I actually went in biology and we had the labs, I learned so much. And now also ask them questions. I don't know about you all, but sometimes a teacher cannot explain it in the way that you need it. And if you just only ask questions and um, ask them how this relates to them or ask them what they got out of it, then they'll be able to tell you. Now, um, I want to tell you my story about inspiration. Um, It's really come from my church and my passion and uh, love for life. I know that God has um, given me a brand new inspiration in my life, and that's to help others and to love others and to see people in a new way. And I just hope that you'll take this inspiration and find the parts in your life that you know um, you need to sort of up your attitude or find something interesting about it and help others um, so that we can be, excuse me, be connected in this world. I know that sounds very cliche, but it's important that we know that we need each other.
0: Um, one or was
3: it a place? Where did I get the picture? Yeah, I think I just went to the Flickr and then just put in, um, I think it's under reading and then inspiration. You I just something on the History Channel
0: or whatever about all the Jones and all the background of that, uh-huh.
3: I think I put in interesting too. <laughs> I was just putting in all kinds of words and I saw that and just to make math fun. He looks pretty interesting.
1: okay well
0: this is a definitely an abbreviated with just having three presentations um, we're probably going to normally have five or six so like I said um, if it's your, week to present, if you can um, come in a little early, just you know, 15 minutes early or something, and then go ahead and copy your uh, files or whatever over, and we can just do that to kind of streamline that process to make that go as, as smoothly as it can. couple things that I want to talk about and then we're going to um, do a little discussion about uh, Google Reader and talk Scratch because we've got 35 minutes left. Um, one of the things that I have done the last few semesters, and I'm doing this semester again, is keeping a frequently asked questions blog. And <clears throat> If you go to the resources section of our page, underneath communication tools, um, we've got our, our class blogs. Um, we've got our lecture cast for the audio that's being recorded, WebCT. And then the fifth thing is this frequently asked questions blog. And one of the reasons for this is uh, I can do a, a much more thorough job explaining something if I use pictures and sometimes I'll even record things. And an example of that is um, your assignment for this week includes Organizing your Google Reader feeds into a folder and then sharing what's called a bundle. So I created a post here that shows you step by step with five different pictures how to go ahead and do that. And a lot of times uh, when you send me an email or ask a question, if I don't have a post here, I'll write a post and... um, if I already do, then I might just say, here's a link this, and, and here this explains how to do it. One of the things that I did um, this last, well last night actually, was I got kind of frustrated that our blog was having those advertisements. Did you notice that on the words? I don't know why it was. on yeah, it was like making links into uh, on people's words that you hadn't done. And uh, I really think that having hyperlinks, is an important part of blogging, and I'm gonna encourage us to use hyperlinks when we write, and I like, thought that was an affront to us. I was like, I'm not gonna put up with that. So I went ahead and upgraded our blog, and uh, it's like 15 bucks for three months. I had really intended to use a free tool, One of the things that I'm going to have you do today is we're going to sign up, we're going to put our names down actually for um, a blogging buddy. We're going to do blogging buddies in a couple ways in our class this semester. And the first way is we're just going to partner with the other section. I've got a section at 11 o'clock, and they're using this uh, site called KidBlog. And so um, you're going to put your name and your blog address down on a Google spreadsheet that I've created, and then In the next section, uh, students are going to pick you and put their names beside you. And so you're going to have somebody who's going to comment on your uh, posts, and then you're going to comment on theirs. So you're going to be blogging buddies for each other. So this is a website called KidBlog, and you'll see that as you comment on their sites. It's my favorite right now. Um, EduBlogs is okay. One of the good things when I took the advertising off our blog is it let me uh, create some other themes, and so you'll see when on these posts, one of the um, this is a theme called uh, it says it at the bottom. It's like Regulus, I think. This says who the poster was. Okay, so some of you are putting your your name in here, which you, is fine to do. You don't have to do that, but it'll have your username here, so it identifies. Um, you know who's posted, and then something else to point out that's kind of a good idea. You don't have to do it, but it kind of helps. Is if you'll select the category, like if it's the, your week six post, you can go in there and add that as the category, and that way when we click on week five, you know you'll you'll see those. Um, all those posts for that particular week. It just kind of helps keep things organized and you can kind of see um, how we're doing here with our with our, cate- our categories. We have 49 uncategorized posts, which is okay. It's not not a big deal, but um, I'll, when I do announcements, I'll, you know, make those in the in the announcement um, section. And so that that's a fast way basically for you to take a look at, you know, hey, what's what's Wes, you know, said lately. Um, That'll, those will be in the announcements, and most of your things will probably go here under the, how, the uh, week sections. So that is the Frequently Asked Questions blog. Um, don't be thrown by the fact that our blog looks a little bit different. One of the things that's really powerful and good about websites today, it, uh, I don't know if any of you, it, who's made a website? Has anybody created one kind of from scratch? What did you use to didn't do that? I did
1: it, but um, I was in web design in high school, and
0: it was uh, Dreamweaver or Frontpage or what is your front page? page? Anybody else create a website? It used to be a lot more ta- challenging than it is today. One of the things that blogs do, like WordPress that we're using, is it separates the content from the design. So all our posts and everything are still in there, but we can say, oh, I like this other design. I think these trees look good, or I think this you know, moon looks good, or whatever the, the different design is. So our blog suddenly looks different, but it's the same blog, same address. Your content's all there. Um, I just kind of like this theme a little bit better. Um, and you can see I was up last night writing a lot of comments, so I got caught up. And on that note, um, all of your, uh, assi- your quizzes are graded. So if you want to log in to WebCT, you can take a look at your grades. And so when you log in to WebCT, on the uh, left sidebar, after you go to our class, you should be able to click the link that says My Grades, and everybody who you know, wrote their posts and have their links in there got full credit for our assignment. There was some uh, question about putting our uh, embedding on the blog, and one of the things that some people have tried that has helped with that, when I'm, when I'm on the blog, how, how do I log in? Does anybody know? Okay. There's actually in the sidebar, and this was in the left, now it's on the right. There's a little section here that says Meta, and these are like the administrator links. Okay, so there's a link here to log in um, in the sidebar if if you want to use that one. Um, it's always dangerous to put your password in in front of. Everybody, Uh, remember before you leave class today, have we talked about this, erasing your uh, history? Did we talk about that? Okay, and I'll try to remind you about that. I don't know, I'll try if I can every time, but just get in that habit. Every time you're done with our class, um, go up to tools, choose delete browsing history, and I would delete all. Okay, I do that every time, because if I don't, what happens? Yep, people can log into your stuff if you stayed logged into your WordPress, to our blog or or other things. Not Facebook just announced, I think, in the last two weeks that they're going secure. They're going to be HTTPS. But um, this is a geeky thing. But there was a deal that came out at a hacker conference in San Francisco, in I think maybe November of last year. And it was this thing called Fire Sheep, and this person developed it to show how Facebook and, and lots of sites are, can be exploited. And what it means is you can go into a coffee shop that has open wireless, log into your Facebook, and the person right next to you can immediately log into your Facebook account, post as you, delete your friends, you know, do whatever that they want to do. So um, it's good that Facebook is, is becoming more secure. For us, being secure, part of that means after every class... Delete your browsing history, okay? Just, to, just as an, as an insurance policy. So once you've logged in to our WebCT, and maybe now that we're all logging in at once, it's being slow. Oh, and I think I used my wrong username because I'm W One. I guess there was a W Fryer before. Um, I'll go to the student view, and you will notice that. Over here on the side, you've got my grades, all right? So if you've got a question or anything like that, feel free to email me. You can message me within WebCT, or it's fine to to message me on the UCO email, too. It's probably better to do it within WebCT, because that way I know exactly what section you're in and which blog is yours and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I'll reply to, to both. And you'll notice that in addition to quiz one, we've also got quiz two. If for some reason there was a... An issue you didn't get your um, links in there right, or um, that was pretty much the main thing, or, or you or you didn't um, have those posts done. Go ahead and resubmit that so you can get full credit, and just you know do that as soon as you can. Um, I really would like for you to you know stay up with the course because what I found is if you know we don't have deadlines and those things, people wait to the end of the semester and it and it's overwhelming. So stay with us as we go along. And uh, we're going to talk here in a minute about Quiz Two and what that what that looks like. Um, what I was going to tell you as far as the posts are, now that we've upgraded the posts, when I'm going to do a new post, we can still embed the 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 uh, code with HTML. But I think this this button here that says Add Video, there's supposed to be some better feature of uh, of, of, of using this to, to, in, to import our, our embedded code. I don't know. I think the way that I've usually done it is the HTML. Did you get that one to work? Or? I it. Yeah. I know the HTML one will work. I think what it was doing before was it, it, it will, again, like these computers are protecting us from ourselves with right-clicking, um, you know, and not getting the desktop messed up. Blogs will sometimes strip code out that they think might be dangerous, that will call scripts and stuff like that. So when you put in your video, if you leave it in this HTML and you paste that code at the bottom and then publish it, I think you'll be okay. Um, but uh, let me know if you keep having trouble with that. And, um, you know, by the end of the semester, we want everybody to be able to get their videos in. Hopefully, you're, you're going to be able to do that now. But I, if we keep... We'll see what happens now that we've upgraded our site, and it may be that it doesn't strip out the code like it did before. No, you don't have to. If you want to, for practice, you can. Um, but it's a skill that we want to we want to try and do and get right. But uh, I'm I'm most interested in your thoughts and your thinking when you're doing your posts. And I, I would like for you to practice using links and having a picture and, that, and those things. But you don't need to worry about going back. It's really a, the checkpoint quizzes are really pass fail. Just, just make sure that you're staying up with it. Um, and I'm going to help you, you know, get it figured out so that everybody can get the embedding done and, and get the images in there. But don't feel like you got to go back.
2: I'm sorry, could you repeat how that blogging buddy thing works?
0: Yeah, let's do that now. So here on our week six, well, on our homepage, um, I've got a link right here that says Blog Buddies for week six. When you open this up, it is going to open up a Google Spreadsheet and what I'd like you to do, kaylin has already done it, is put your name on the left and this is going to be kind of chaotic because everyone's going to be jumping in putting their names in different things. So you may skip down, don't do line four, or jump down to line 15 or jump down further. What you're going to want to do is put your name in the A column. And then in the B column, you're going to put the address to your blog. And I've put mine in so you can see what that syntax is. If you'd like to copy my address, you can. Or if you just want to put your username, you can do that too. Our blog, that's another thing I like about KidBlog, is it automatically makes it real easy to see everybody's blog addresses in the class. And and our EduBlogs one is not doing that. So <clears throat> you can just put your username, and I can go in there and, and, and copy and paste the rest of this. Or if you want to, just like it looks like Caroline's doing, she copied my address in here, and then you know click in that box and edit the cell. You're going to change W Fryer, which is my username on the blog, to your username. Or just like Melissa and Katie are doing, just put in the username that you're using on the blog, and then we'll get that fixed. So what's going to happen next hour, uh, or next next class, is my 11 a.m. section is going to come in here, and they are going to put their name next to yours. All right, Somebody's going to put their name next to yours. And so after 1.50, when that class is finished, or whatever time, you can go back to this, and you'll be able to see who your blogging buddy is. So I would like for you... Um, to go ahead and, and comment on what they write for this week, and then they should do the same thing for you as well. We're not making a requirement right now that you've gotta you know, save the link of where you're, where you're commenting and where, you're, where, you're, um, you know, where you did your comments. <clears throat> My plan is we're going to have blog buddies between our classes to start out with. Um, there's a friend of mine who teaches this same class up in Sterling, Kansas. His name's Dean Mance. He came into our Illuminate session two weeks ago. And I think we're going to do a blog buddy exchange with his students as well. And then there's another site that, and and you're free to visit this now if you want to, um, but you don't have to. It's called Comments for Kids. And so, I like Google better than, than Bing. Let's see how Google does. See, look at that. Google gets it right away and Bing was just out to lunch. Um, This was originally a wiki that was set up, and now they have a a blog site. So it's called Comments for Kids. Don't worry about going to this. It's just a a preview of what's coming. But these are our our, uh, classroom teachers who are using blogs right now and would really like to have some relevant positive comments on their students' work. So we're going to we'll talk about that more um, probably after spring break, but um, we're going to start you know basically by being being um, an audience for each other so. We're using a free Google Spreadsheet to do this. I kind of debated how is the best way to get this all matched up, and so this is the thing we're trying. But uh, Google Spreadsheet is real neat. You can see at the top here it says anyone with the link. I've, I've set this so nobody has to log in. You can just you know put your information in. Of course, it's a little bit chaotic because everyone's in there at the same time, and you know, people could put inappropriate things in there too. Um, I don't have control over that in the same way I would if I was inviting you with your email address, and I then it documented, you know, who wrote what. But it's a nice way in this in this kind of a situation where it's kind of like a piece of paper we pass around the class. Everyone gets to put their stuff on it, and you know, we just we get to do it at the same time. Any questions about the blogging buddies? Okay.? Yes, So on our week six, I'll always have our stuff you know here on this front page for what we're going to do. Um, your assignment for week six is here. You can click assignment to get to it. And you can always click the assignment links at the top, and I've got those all hyperlinked here at the top. This uh, Google Calendar, you know, shows you sort of where we are with things. So hopefully you did quiz one. Again, if you need to resubmit or whatever, there's not a penalty for submitting it late. But I've, I'm going to encourage you to meet our deadlines just because that's going to help. It helps everybody. Um, we're here on week uh, on the 16th. I'd like you to do your Google Reader assignment, submit it on on the quiz before next class. And so when you click on week six, you'll see what our assignments are. And this is what I'm gonna go over next. I'm gonna talk about Google Reader and how you can make your feeds into a bundle and you can um, share those. And then we gotta talk about Scratch a little bit. Okay. under week six, I've also got, and this is like hard to link to, but I, I linked with an asterisk and an exclamation point to real exemplary posts. Now, these just happen to be from the 11 o'clock section, but um, I wanted to point out, this, this is uh, Lisa's uh, post about the intersections video, and it's really an exemplary uh, post because... Well, she really went above and beyond. You don't have to write two or three paragraphs about each thing, but you can see how she wrote about her takeaway from the video. She embedded and linked the video, and then she's got, you know, a couple paragraphs about how it connects with her life, and then the ideas for her teaching practices. You don't have to break it out one, two, three like that. It's fine if you want to do that. Um, here she's got the the picture and the image that she's put in. Um, but I just thought that was a that was a very good post and it was um, a good example of following the rubric and like I said, everybody got full credit for your posts this first um, this first time. Um, the next blog quiz that we do um, you know I'll look a little bit more carefully at, at following the format um, but that was something that wasn't I mean this has been a crazy sem- this has been the craziest semester I've taught so far to have so many snow days and so don't uh, fret if you you know don't be intimidated by Lisa's here and think, oh, my gosh, mine wasn't that good. It's fine. Um, but I wanted to show that to you as an example. The other thing I wanted to show you is on um, this post, uh, anybody notice anything about the commenter here? Who is the commenter? Yeah, that's Darren. So um, one of the things that can happen uh, when we post things on the public web is, is people outside of our class can find posts and things that we write, and they might even write back. If at any time you are feeling like you don't want to be writing on a public blog, email me, talk to me, and we can set this up where you could do this within WebCT. I want you, if you're willing, to experience the benefit and the, the positive power of sharing ideas in a public forum like this, there is so much fear today about technology, about blogging specifically. And I hope that one of the, you know, clear things you take out of our class is, wow, you know, Wes really heard my voice and listened to my ideas in, because we were using a blog in ways that he might not have if we had just been talking in class. Because there's just so little time that we have face to face. And every single one of you who wrote uh, or submitted your quiz, you know, has comments from me. I read every single one of those um, posts, which is half your post. I mean, you wrote hopefully four, and there were two that were on the quiz. But, um, you know, that kind of thing, having 50 students in two sections, it, you know, we just we wouldn't have time for me to be able to listen to each thing that you're saying in that same way. So I want to bring that to your attention not to scare you. Um, I'm never going to do something that's going to, you know, be intended to, you know, ridicule you or make you, you know, feel bad or look bad. Um, In this case, I had actually messaged Darren on Twitter last night and I said, hey, one of my students, you know, wrote a real uh, good reflection. And I just wanted to know you're making an impact on our class. And so that's what he, you know, he went ahead and and left a comment there, too. So (coughs) that may... That may happen again in our class. I don't know. But I wanted to let you know about that. Um, let's talk about Google Reader, and then let's talk about Scratch. And we're not going to have that much time to do Scratch. Um, if you would, go ahead and log in to Google Reader. Um, I'm just going to go to Google.com, and then up here in the corner of Google, I can sign in, and that's how I'll be able to get to Reader and all of the other things that... I can access with my Google account. Up here at the top, after you log into Google, you've got access to all of these different things. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, there's even more. Uh, Google gives their employees what they call 20% time. So one day a week, they have permission to work on any project they want that um, they're passionate about and then, you know, many of those projects become things that Google actually offers, you know, through their website. But we are on Reader, and so that's here under More. And you can also get to it by just putting the word Reader after Google. <coughs> How many of you have, had used Google Reader before this class? Did anybody use it, or did anybody use a different news reader of some kind? I'm not going to bother to hook my laptop up again to the projector, but um, I will show, I'll try and show you next week um, an app called Flipboard, which is... Have I, did I show you that during the first week? Have you all seen Flipboard before? I think it's the sexiest app ever on a tablet device, okay? Because it turns your feeds into a very snazzy, amazing digital newspaper. This is the future of reading, the future of newspapers, the future of magazines. It's not just subscribing to the USA Today or the Daily Oklahoman, it's also subscribing to people, subscribing to Darren Kerpatwa, subscribing to um, Chris Betcher, who did the presentation we did today, who's in Australia, you know, who, who's an educator. Um, being able to get information from those people. So, Flipboard, I'll show you next week, it's an app, but it takes feeds and then shares them on your tablet device. They don't have an Android version yet. They just have an iPhone one. Um, In fact, I just saw, I'm pretty sure you talked about it. I saw uh, MC Hammer on Oprah this last week, and he was talking about Flipboard. He is like a super, an uber geek. Um, He's got like 2 million people following him on Twitter. All right, so here's what you're going to do. You are going to find, hey, maybe we can do that. You're going to find some kind of... Feed that you want to follow. I'm going to say MC Hammer's blog. Look at that. There's the hammer.
1: Okay, so
0: let's let's say that I want to follow. Now I wonder. Do you think this is his real blog? I'm thinking not. Now that that comes, the first. You know what the first sign uh, that it might not be his blog is. It says August 15th, 2010. I know from seeing him on Oprah that he's a real uh, geek and that he um, is updating stuff all the time. He's like investing in all these Silicon Valley um, startups and things. So I'm betting that he, he updated before then. Okay, what do we think about this? This real or fake? Okay, looks like him in the picture, but of course anybody could do that, right? Anybody could grab a picture. What else do you see on this that might indicate it's real?
1: Followers.
0: Yeah, he's got over two million followers. Two million thirty thousand eight hundred ninety followers. Okay, wow. If that's a fake account, somebody's done really good tricking, you know, a couple million people. What else do you see that might indicate it's real? Verified. It's a it's verified, verified. It's a verified account. Right? So I don't exactly know that process, but Uh, I would think with celebrities, with organizations, and different things like that, Twitter has a way of verifying that these people are who they say they are. So, from his Twitter account, I can now click this link. Looks like this is his company, Alchemist Management. And... I guess this is stuff... Are these fights that they're into? What is this? All right. I don't think that one will really follow that. Let's see what this other thing is. He's got his bio on here. Well, I guess I'll do this as an example, but I'm going to delete it. This really isn't something that I think I'm going to want to follow, but I need to... We have 12 minutes, and I'm going to have to hurry up and do this. So... When you find an address like this that you want to follow, okay, it's a feed that you want. One The screencasts and the explanations last week showed you click Add a Subscription into Google Reader, and this is where you paste in that address, okay? You are then following that feed. This is a channel. Just like you have a channel on your television, there's a channel of information that's coming from MC, MC Hammer's site, and... Um, Okay. There it came huh, I wonder what it did. It put it here under Did you do the
1: same thing under
0: Yahoo? Um I don't know that Yahoo has a newsreader. There's blog lines and there's some other different newsreaders, but I haven't seen one that um, that MC Hammer has. Did anybody okay. Right here under the Google Reader icon, there on the left side, it says add a subscription. All right? Now, once you've added some, Google Reader will start to make recommendations to you. So it's going to have recommended items and it's going to you know, basically kind of analyze what, what, you are, um, what you are following and it will recommend other things. Um, all right. This was not a great example. Um, here's what you've got an explanation of how to do on your assignment. Okay? Your assignment for today for Google Reader is to create a bundle that you're going to share. And this particular post that's linked gives you the step-by-step instructions. All right? This is what I'm going to show you right now. But obviously, it's kind of hard to remember when somebody shows it to you really fast in class. That's why we've got it written down there. When you click on a feed, You can go to Feed Settings, and it lets you make folders, okay? At the bottom, you could make a new folder. And if you haven't created a folder, you can call this, you know, T4T. You can call this, you know, My Feeds. You you can name it whatever you want to. Um, This particular one, I don't even really... I'm going, to, I'm going to create a folder that I'm going to say temp- temporary, because <laughs> so I'm going to delete this. I don't want to really follow this. Um, and so it's, it's going to put this feed inside this temporary folder. Now, one of the reasons why I really hope, and I think they are going to install Google Chrome on this computer, is I really don't like Internet Explorer. Um, it is a slow browser. It is not... Standards compliant on a lot of things, and it doesn't work as well and as fast as Firefox and Google Chrome in my experience. It'll still work, but this particular feed should show up now inside my folder called um, Temporary. I don't know why it's not showing up there.
2: So we're going to need a
0: Right. In week four, part of your assignment that was on our website was that you were to create a Google account, and you were to, fo- and you were to follow ten different feeds. Okay? So if you didn't complete that assignment for week four, you need to go back here and follow these instructions. Okay? We, we, we met in Illuminate, and you can watch that if you want to, but you can also just go to the Google Reader assignment, and it explains that you create a Google account or create a Gmail account, that works too. And that you need to use the Google Reader support site and subscribe to at least um, ten different feeds. Okay? After you get your feeds into a folder, okay, and I've got several examples here, so I could go up to uh, Apple. Okay, these are different feeds that I've subscribed to that relate to Apple. You don't have to. I'm not telling you what feeds to subscribe to. I just want you to have ten things in there. The way that you get a bundle is there is a little arrow beside your folder that you click on, and you're going to create a bundle. Remember, I've got this written down on our on our link, so you can take a look at this. When you create a bundle and you save it, It is going to give you a link that you can copy. okay? And that link that you copy is right there. You're going to need to go look at the blog and look at the, the FAQ in order to do that. This is what you submit for the quiz. It's one thing. It is just a link, and it's the link to your bundle um, of, of your feeds. All right. We've got six minutes. Let's talk a little bit about Scratch. Your video for last week was Chris Petcher talking about Scratch and introducing all of you to Scratch. Um, you've got your Google Reader assignment for today. There's no this week, there's no video to watch this week, but you're going to work on that Google Reader assignment, and then you're going to do a couple things with Scratch. First thing you're going to do with Scratch is you're going to create a profile on the website. Scratch is an environment that lets us create, make stuff, and share stuff. And that stuff can take a lot of different forms. We can tell stories. We can create games. We can make music videos. We can do all kinds of things with Scratch. Your assignment for this week says make a profile, which means you're just going to log in and create an account. If you want to use the same username, you can. You do not have to put your picture on your profile. You can be with all your profile stuff. You can be anonymous if you want to use something else. But you need to create an account. And then it says browse the featured projects on the Scratch website. Okay? The featured projects are ones that, have been noted by the, the Scratch folks uh, at MIT for, you know, being pretty creative. And let me just, in the five minutes that remain, show you a couple things um, that are examples uh, of, of Scratch. I have marked two things as favorites of mine. This is one that I found last October that's called the Monster Mash. Um, this, this is a... This is an um, example of an introductory project. The person who did this is pretty amazing. You can see over here there were 72 sprites and 225 scripts that went into this. I'm going to um, go ahead and click this link. And what it's going to do is it's going to open this up inside Scratch on my computer. Okay? So here's the Scratch program. And it is going to download this program, I'm going to go into the full screen mode here, and I'm going to click the green flag. And I
1: was in the lab late the night, with my eyes beating sight, for my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise, he did the, match. He did the monster man, it was a graveyard smash, it got on in a flag he did the, match. He did the monster man, from my laboratory in the castle east. To the master bedroom the bedroom, the vampire's peace. The ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the match. They did the monster man. The monster it was a graveyard span. It caught on in a
0: plan. Alright, we won't do the whole thing. How old do you think the person was who created this? No, well, no, no, my kid, we do not have these skills yet. <laughs> I would like to. Yeah, probably a young child, right? I don't know. I'm not sure how old. But, you know, we are probably not in this class. You are probably not in this class. Going to create something that is this sophisticated and this complicated. All these different sprites they had and all these different scripts. You can go here and see there's all these different scripts that they did. This first week with Scratch, I just want you to explore and take a look at some different projects. And I want you to see some of the things that are possible. When you create your profile on the website, it is going to let you save things as favorites. So there's newest projects and featured projects. When you find one that you like, and uh, I haven't seen this one, but the featured ones are pretty, pretty safe to look at as far as, you know, somebody at, uh, at the MIT um, has, has taken a look at it. and So it says, Take this, then choose the substance you want. After that, choose the space to fill. (laughs) Okay, so I can explore this. There's just all these possibilities to do. But let's say I want to come back to it later. I can love it. That means it's just like on Facebook. I click, I like it. It is now going to, oh, sorry. Add to my favorites. Love it means there. It's I'm now the 25th person who loves this, and it's one of my favorites. So when I go to my profile and I take a look, ah, uh, look, there's the Mix It What Happened project that Kevin created. Okay? We are next week going to spend some more time um, in Scratch, and we're going to create some stuff. But this week... I would like for you to spend some time exploring projects, and your assignment says write a post with a link to one of the projects that you took a look at. Okay? So I just want you to share a little bit about it. You don't have to follow the video rubric for this one, Um, but that's your assignment for this week. So have a great week, and if you are not yet posting on the blog or need my direct assistance like that, please come see me right now,
1: and I will help you.